0: A better way forward. There are three reasons to choose our progressive modern treatment program. One, a more sophisticated intake process, two, technology proven to enhance recovery, and three, the most robust aftercare program in our sector. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com. So moving forward, helping another alcoholic achieve sobriety, but also understanding that, that you are in a unique position to be a leader. And you need to study, you need to practice, you need to be a magnet for other people, you need to lead. In other words, you're the first one off the cliff, right? You're the one who says, I have a solution. Does anybody else have one too? You're the first one. So people want to follow you because you, you're steady, You're fair, you show compassion, you show discipline in the right way, you show respect, you show competence. If you don't have an answer, you ask, and you bring the best brains to the table because you're no longer so arrogant that you think you have all the answers. You don't. That's ridiculous. I would say that, you know, when you break down the barriers among people, our collective intelligence goes up. you learn this, and you carry it forward, and then you mentor others. Mentoring is one of my greatest joys. You know, and, and that has to do not with recovery, but I would ask women would ask me to mentor them. Imagine that, you know, because I was as clean as a whistle at work. You know, we had uh, classes in sexual harassment a number of years ago when it was first a, a thing, and and uh, the law, you know, the state of Wisconsin made it mandatory that we have sexual harassment training. And what I learned about sexual harassment is interesting too, is that harassment's in the eye of the beholder. I may think I'm not harassing you, but if you think you're being harassed, you have every right to call me on it and to take it to the next level, to the department, to HR, and, and if it's serious, you know, to the law. So in the same way that, you know, harassment's in the eye of the beholder, so is sarcasm if you're recovering. You know, somebody says you're being sarcastic and I'm going, I gotta listen to that. I have to be held accountable. Okay. So I build my sobriety today on on three pillars. Uh, and if I pay attention and practice these pillars, I'll tell you about my ritual in a minute. So the pillars are honesty with my feelings and my dealings and kindness, which is compassion. Now, honesty, you know, is the top of a long list of characteristics and values that go along with it. Integrity is one of them, right? Loyalty is one of them, Um uh, not keeping secrets is one of them. We're told that you're only as sick as the secrets that you keep. So there's a, a lot of things that come with honesty and character. And then on compassion, oh my gosh, you know, charity begins at home. You know, kindness is, is the number one characteristic that when the Dalai Lama was asked, give me the basic, basic, capture the essence of your belief it's not a religion, but it's a belief system or or a faith. He says, "I can give it to you in one word." He says, "Kindness." Can you imagine that? The Dalai Lama says kindness is at the heart of Buddhism. So that's not bad, right? And 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 uh, the greatest of these is love, or God is love in the Christian tradition or in the Jewish tradition. So these are big things, you know, kindness and and empathy. Oh my gosh. So over time, I began to understand what empathy meant because I went from being a self-centered you know, person whose character defects are, are, are triggered by self-centered fear of not getting what I want or, or losing something I value. So I go from being a self-centered person to a person who, who truly listens, who has empathy and is fully present. I talk a lot about being fully present. If I'm fully present... I'm there for you. I listen to you. I don't look past you. Um, I empathize. I walk a virtual mile in your shoes, and uh, I am respected for it. I don't seek respect, but I may earn it. And so, when you when you go through this transformation, there's tremendous power in it. I was I was I was seeking power the wrong way. I was seeking, you know, I was seeking uh, being admired. And I now say that I'm no longer enslaved by what you think of me. Isn't that amazing? I also, have a, I also have a point of view on self-love, right? So I used to think, and some people do, that self-love is like, oh, indulgence, you know, be nice to yourself. I think that's nonsense. You can be nice to yourself. But self-love is about self-discipline and self-respect. You know, you're going to show yourself self-love if you do what you're supposed to do, stay healthy, stay sober in our, in our case. And do the things that make you a better person. That is self-love. It ain't self-indulgence. And I know for a fact that uh, the very things that keep us sober, and, uh very things that make us better people keep us sober, and vice versa. It goes both ways. My daily ritual. Simple. It's because I don't have to think about it much anymore. I believe that, you know, one of the greatest uh, insights is in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, where it says, we will find that intuition... No, inspiration becomes a working part of the mind. I'm right there right now, where if I'm freed of my fears and my resentments and my regrets, my mind will work at an amazing level of creativity and, and productivity. Because I'm thinking about that. I don't have anything, I don't have any, you know, uh, thing hanging over my shoulder or looking behind me or fearful of the future. And that's the coolest thing in the world. So, so in, in one of our steps, we talk about prayer and meditation, my daily ritual. To get up and get a few things done, I will say third step prayer, which is about turning my will, my life over to God. Seven step prayer, which is a removal of my character defects for the day that stand in the way of my usefulness to uh, my higher power and to people around me. Then I'll read the daily reflections, and it's usually a really cool insight. Uh, it's a short reading. Then I go and do whatever I have to do to get ready for the day. And often I'll jump on a Zoom call. Let's see, I'm on AA Zoom Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And then I'm on another fellowship call two days a week. And then I'm also an al sponsor for a guy who's now in Germany <laughs> uh, on Wednesday night. So I stay pretty busy. And I stay connected And I'm often asked to speak, you know, would you like to share? Bruno, would you like to share? And I go, sure, you know, and and I will have uh, a passage handy. I might have a reading handy. Uh, There are many books that um, teach us, uh, you know, not only how to stay sober and not drink. Here's the thing, and I'm close with this. In the beginning, it was about not drinking and doing drugs. It was just staying sober, not relapsing. Over time, however... I realized it was about living a joyful and inspired and free, free life. We're promised that we shall be happy, joyous, and free. And many of those promises have come true, but they're contingent upon the maintenance of our spiritual condition. I have two legitimate legitimate—I have two legitimate fears. And that is, I have a legitimate fear. One in two parts, let's put that one. I have the fear of the degradation of my spiritual condition, which means I stop doing the things that keep me spiritually fit. That would lead me, if this degradation would lead me to believe one of two things, and both are dangerous, either or is dangerous. A, that it's okay to have a drink, which means I'm in a setting, we're at a party, everything's good, it's okay to have a drink. Here, have a drink, I'll have a drink. That's danger number one. Danger number two is I am so teed off, I am so in pain, I'm so resentful, I'm feeling so hopeless that I might as well drink to, to, to ease the pain. So, those are dangerous, and they will only come if my spiritual condition, if my practice deteriorates. My counselor told me, you know what, Ron, you're going to re- re- relapse in your head a long time before you take that first drink. You'll have a resentment, you know, or you'll have a hate, or you'll have despair, or you'll be depressed. You know, something negative is going to be happening, and you're going to forget that you're an alcoholic. You're going to say, oh, I have an answer, because that's what you're conditioned to. You're conditioned to take a drink. You know, you're conditioned to do this, uh, to, to, to stuff your feelings. And so what happens when you stop drinking and doing drugs, it's like a coiled spring. They go, whoa, until you're on a roller coaster ride for a while. And I understand that about newcomers. It takes a while to settle down. You know, having a sponsor, we talked about that before, is absolutely critical. He's the anchor. I used to call my sponsor almost every day, and he would tolerate that. And now I talk to him once a week. And I'm his sponsor <laughs> as much as anything. So, yeah, uh, life is, and, and I'm not Pollyanna. I've I've had my challenges in my relationship. I've been married for 12 years, very, very happily, but imperfect. And I've had to sit my wife down and say, you know what, I'm holding myself accountable for for this stuff. You know, and I think it goes both ways. But my only job is to keep my side of the street clean. I cannot tell you or judge you. That's another good thing is I don't label anymore and I respect your boundaries. So there's a whole lot of learning that goes on in recovery. And we teach each other, you know, how to stay sober. And for that, I'm very grateful. Our podcast is sponsored by safehouserehab.com, a modern approach to recovery. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com.